Some guys went so far as to say uh, it was the most enjoyable season of hockey that they've had in their entire life. Uh, some guys mentioned the best pro season they've had, uh, the tightest group of, of players uh, of any team they've ever been on. So when I start hearing things like that, um, you know, that's that's what makes it tough, right? When it all ends, that, that, that one particular group is never going to be together again. time the end yeah. the end of a very promising season at times the hershey bears i feel like we should play a tiny violin fell in their best of three series end of the first round of the ahl playoffs for them overcame a, a, a lot though a lot of it to get to the, even that circumstance yeah so it is a sad time but uh i think there's a lot of positives to look back on I think there certainly are. Yeah. I just am coming off the emotions of the locker clean out day. And it is a sad time. Seeing all the players like head down, walking to their cars for the last time. Yeah, there's no yearbooks to sign or anything like that. No. I guess you can text each other now, but. Yeah, I guess there's social media. Should be team yearbooks though. Oh. Can't convince me otherwise. We'll add that back in. It's never been a thing, but I guess we're starting it now. No, I think uh, anytime your season ends after you've scored two goals in the final two and a half yeah. minutes of a game three season year on the line, you go to overtime and then you fall with a pretty disappointing goal there. That's got to be, I can't imagine as a competitor how you wrap your mind around that, how you don't spend the next three months just saying, what if? Like, I think you do, though. I think that's the. Um, I think that's what makes it kind of devastating and also why it means so much to you is because you think about that for the most part in all off season. It's a little different with the AHL and, you know, guys getting called up and whatnot, but the core group that's actually there, mm -hmm. I think that you use that as motivation because at the end of the day, you are trying to win a cup, regardless of what level you're on. And, you know, Scott Allen talked about that for a good amount of time. I think that there's drive that comes with a finish like that, but I think the fact that they could get to that point given all the things that were working against them for not just days and weeks, but months on end. I think there's a lot to take away from it when it comes to this franchise. I know the bar is high, but I don't think there's any, uh, you know, consolation feeling bad when it comes to this. Yeah. And Logan brings up a good point. Our guest this week on the Esports Extra podcast is the man himself, head coach of the Hershey Bears, Scott Allen. We talked about a lot with him, including some of those emotions. And I think mm -hmm. he, he'll he tell you, he'll be the first to tell you he's a sore loser. He doesn't, doesn't good thing. take that well. You kind of want that competitive fire. So chatting with him just about how the season ends and how you you know, put that all in a box and give it to your players in their mm -hmm. end of year meetings. That's kind of fascinating to get into. Yeah. Um, but this was his first year as head coach here in Hershey. He spent two years as an assistant. What do you take away from that? He was an open book the whole time, which he I love. Which is what we always appreciate about hockey coaches. Not that any other coaches are, you know, in the wrong here, but hockey guys actually kind of shoot it straight and tell it like it is. Um, and when there's something on, the mi on their mind, for the most part, they tell you. Um, and I think that when you go through a first season that it has, that is as noteworthy, you could say, mm -hmm. as that, I think that there's a lot that you kind of want to get off your chest. Because keep in mind, I mean, for the, we're probably not going to be talking with Scott for a while. Right. So, you know, all of these emotions are raw and just kind of all the things that you go through. Um, and so the fact that there was really no coach speak in this, I think, says a lot. And I think it'll s say a lot about what he'll learn going into year two. Uh, because you can anticipate the things that you'll learn and what you can get better at, but it's a whole different thing to have perspective months later. Uh, so I think that he'll be a different coach, honestly, when the next season comes around as a result of this one. Yeah, I think the thing I also liked, and, and I think you'll find this too, anyone who watches their interviews, listens to them or whatever, is 
Um, they also don't make very many excuses, but they also tell right. you exactly what's going right or wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, that whole playoff series leading into it, leading out of it, they were they were saying, you know, we're not getting enough quality chances at scoring. Mm-hmm. And you could watch them trying to figure it out in that, that best of three series. He kept saying net front presence, net front presence. We have to have someone in front of the net when we yeah. shoot so they can deflect. And when they weren't doing that, they never scored. When they did do that, they scored, every, you know, not every time, but with a lot more success. And I loved being able to watch that feeling like, hey, I'm 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 not in the meetings, but I'm looking for something and watching them implement it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so special about hockey and why so many people in this area gravitate towards the Bears is they let you into that. Scott yeah. told you what he was trying to work on. Mm-hmm. You watched him change it period to period. And I think that makes sports so much more enjoyable when you feel like, hey, I know what they're trying to do. You know, yeah. I, I can feel that and um, I can support that and get behind it. I just... I think it was a really fun team to follow, despite at times how disappointing the results were. Yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster, and it, I think it was a pr- it was about as intimate. I think between the COVID stuff mm. and just you know the highs and lows of the wins and losses and the call ups, as I think we've seen in a while. And also, it was the first regular season in three years, so you forget the things that come with it. Um, and now the new things placed on top of it with this, you know, different society that we live in and all the holds on it uh, as a whole. So I think it was a feeling out process for a lot of people. Um, so I think to get through a full year one of this, um, it's almost like a not a breath of fresh air, but something along those lines of a reminder uh, of what it is like and how much of a grind it is. So without any more building up this interview, because it was as good the as we're selling interview of it. all time. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> of all time. Stamp it. I mean, when he when he asks when he answers questions about you know Biker Week and all of these different things, you know that you're gonna have something good cooking. All right. Without further ado, here is head coach of the Hershey Bears, Scott Allen. Joined now by Scott Allen, head coach of the Hershey Bears, fresh off your first season as head coach, just a couple days ago, uh, falling in game three to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in overtime. Let's start there. Obviously, that series was so physical, uh, really back and forth for for much of it, just the best of three series, so it's short. But what are the emotions like when you see the fight from your team scoring two goals there right at the end of the third period to force overtime, then you have overtime and, and things don't go your way? How do you even digest a game like that or a series like that? Um, I think uh, right after it ends, it's a, it's very difficult to even talk about the game. Um, you know, I usually like to go in and address the team uh, at the end of the season. It's, uh, and uh, I really didn't have anything to say. I was so unprepared for it with how it happened and um, how it went down because I was so hopeful after we battled back and, and I will say, I'll be completely honest. Um, when we were down three, one and we pulled the goalie, I still had a strong feeling that we were going to tie it up. Uh, you know, and that's not always the case. There are some nights where you, you stand there saying, boy, we really have to get extremely lucky here to pull this one out. But I just thought the way the guys were playing and, and that there was some, still some fight left in the dog, so to speak that, um, we were going to find a way to tie it. And we did to their credit. We did that. Uh, you know, the overtime certainly didn't go the way we wanted it to go. And so when it crashes and burns as quickly as it did in that situation, uh, I was at a complete loss for words and, uh, had to wait till yesterday with the exit meetings with the players to, you know, um, express, uh, my appreciation for them and, and, and how hard they worked and trying circumstances throughout the course of the season. I feel like there's a lot of ways that you could probably describe the team, but just based on the fact of 
second game in as many nights, down 3-1 in the last couple of minutes. I feel like a lot of teams, even in that do-or-die situation, probably would have folded. Do you think that you'll look back on this specific group with the fact that they did tie the game, given all of those circumstances and just the grind that this year has been? Yeah, without a doubt, and especially uh, after the uh, exit meetings yesterday with uh, individual players. I mean, some guys went so far as to say uh, it was the most enjoyable season of hockey that they've had in their entire life. Uh, some guys mentioned the best pro season they've had, uh, the tightest group of of players uh, of any team they've ever been on. So when I start hearing things like that, um, you know, that's that's what makes it tough, right? When it all ends, that, that, that one particular group is never going to be together again. Uh, so yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I just think the resolve that those guys showed uh, in that trying minutes when your season is on the line uh, and there is no tomorrow, um, that they found a way to, to get it tied up. And like I said, I mean, the, the, the heartbreaker is how it ended. Um, I, I, I truly thought uh, and, and was hoping and wishing that we, we would have been playing last night and tonight actually was going to be games one and two of the next series against Springfield in our building. So, but um, unfortunately that didn't happen. It kind of felt like this series was a microcosm of the whole year, right? Like some you saw at times like the struggles to score. You saw some of the huge impacts of injuries. Also, sometimes the, you know, the Capitals calling guys up last second, sending them back down. I mean, it was there was so much fluidity, I guess, in this in this best of three series. It felt like a, a small little picture of how this whole season went. And at the end of the day, your team kept fighting when you think about this season, and we talked about this a little bit, first full season in three years. For some of these players, they've been in the AHL for three years, and this is their first taste of the playoffs for no fault of the Bears, just there weren't playoffs for the last two seasons. How strange was this year? Was it back to normal? Like, How do you evaluate the whole year given the way the last two have gone? Yeah, I think I think towards the end of the season, it finally got back to normal um, because you know we had a, a covid spike right in the fall um it went through our team from thanksgiving uh through christmas um we we had a second wave come through late in the season when we returned from a trip from the northeast where we played in providence and hotford and uh it, it was just crazy but i think finally when it got down to probably around the last month um it finally started seeming it seemed i'm sorry but like uh you know, it was a little sense of normalcy across the board. Um, so it was good in that aspect. Um, but it was, it was certainly challenging at times without question. Uh, and, and again, even with us, we, we had a couple of cases of like, we, it's a good thing we had the two weeks off in one sense, because we lost guys right out, like right when the regular season got done, we had a couple of days off um, to recoup. And as soon as we got back, we got hit with a, a few more cases. And, uh, it, you know, so now you lost guys for six days because it's a five day mandatory. And, and the first day that they uh, test positive, that's day zero. So then you get five more days after that. So six days, guys off the ice. And here we are trying to prepare for the playoffs. And, you know, we, we thought we were in a decent spot when Joe Snively got sent down. And then, unfortunately, Tom Wilson got hurt, and they call up Brett Leeson. And um, so, once again, even I talked about it throughout the year, like that lineup we thought we were going to have at the beginning of the year with our team 
never came to fruition. The lineup we thought we were going to have in the playoffs, only in a, in a three-game series, we never even got to see that lineup. Uh, just It was just crazy circumstances that played out through this year. And uh, again, I know I keep going back to the players, but it's all said and done. Those are the guys who, who have to get it done. It's our job to try to prepare them. Um, and, you know, obviously we would have loved to score more goals this year. Uh, it certainly wasn't in the cards. And that's not everybody's just capable of popping 20 goals in the American Hockey League. We didn't have a single 20 goal scorer this year. Um, so if that tells you anything about, and obviously some of the guys that, probably should have, could have, would have, didn't play all year. You know, some of those guys ended up in Washington for extended periods. Some of those guys, uh, season-ending injuries, um, some guys out with long-term injuries. So, you know, I'm fairly confident we would have had um, pro probably even a handful of those guys. And you factor in those goals, the goals that we didn't have and the difference that would have made. And that that changes things in a huge way for your season. How about for you personally? I, it's obviously tough to anticipate with an offseason going from um, year one to two. But what do you think that you will probably have perspective wise, maybe once the summer completes, when you look back on this year, maybe take that into uh, to next season? Yeah, it's just it's just continuing to uh, strive to be. It's, it's no different than what I talk to the players about, um, you know, I want them to try to be the best that they can be. And that's what we try to do also as a staff. Um, and, and so I self-evaluate all the time. Uh, you know, I strive to, to get better. Um, I say it all the time. I've been very fortunate to be, uh, have been coaching professional hockey for 26 years. Um, it's changed. The athletes have certainly changed, uh, the way kids are brought up now, uh, it changes. So you have to continue to grow. You have to continue to learn. You have to continue to adapt um, to, to find out which buttons work and which don't um, to get the most out of your players. And that's the job we have to continue to, to try to do here uh, for, for both the Washington Capitals and the, and the Hershey Bears. Um, it's twofold, trying to develop players, trying to win games. And they certainly do go hand in hand. And, and that's what I'll continue to try to build on and, and, and work on and improve upon. We've made so much maybe of some of the negatives of this season, the injuries, the, you know, it's, I guess it's not a negative, but the call-ups and the impact on the lineup. But what was so great about this group? You hear, like you said, the players say this is the best group they've ever played with. Like, who were they off the ice? Why was this such a special group of guys? Um, kind of what made them who they were? Yeah, they, they, they enjoyed spending time um, with each other. Um, you know, they enjoyed actually being on the road at times. Um, when we got stranded down in Charlotte last month and uh, had no chance of catching a flight out of there. And, You're not uh, the only ones, though. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we were scrambling to find a bus. Here we are on a Sunday uh, we're down in the Bible Belt, um, which completely shuts down on, on Sundays, and we're trying to get a bus to bring us. And there were buses available, but there was nobody that was available to drive those buses. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was a we thought we were 
getting on a bus uh, at about 8.30 p.m. on Sunday. And at about 6.30 p.m., we found out that got canceled. So then we scrambled like... Uh, Dan Beek is stuck. He did a phenomenal job. Uh, just, he was, he worked the phones all day long on Sunday and into Monday morning and finally got us a bus where we had to, you know, we had to make the haul. We, we bust to Hershey, got off the bus, gave the guys 10 minutes to get on a regular bus and continue the trip to Bridgeport because we had a 10.30 a.m. game the next oh. day. Meanwhile, we'd been off the ice for a couple of days because uh, the plan was we were flying out. We were going to get into Newark. We were going to bus to Bridgeport. We were going to be able to practice on the Monday, get prepared for that Tuesday morning game. All that stuff was, you know, we, we, we pulled in. The sun was going down and barely enough time to grab a decent meal before the restaurants closed. And to our guys' credit, you know, they didn't complain about it. They took it all in stride. Um, and we come out we come out and win uh, not only a big game for us, but a, a huge game for the franchise overall. And so that tells you a little bit about our guys. Like, a, you know, a lesser group, they would have probably mailed it in and just said, you know what, let's just get through this one. We'll regroup when we get back. But they didn't do that. Um, you know, guys weren't complaining. Uh and I can promise you this, the first bus we were on, it was certainly not a luxury liner coming uh, from, from Charlotte. <laughs> School uh, bus. <laughs> might have been the bus they used in Slapshot when they filmed it back in 75. Uh, no, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it certainly wasn't, you know, you know uh, the usual bus that we travel on. It's just situations like that, you know, and, and just watching the guys. Um, you know, I like to you know, take flybys just going through the locker room, just going through the weight room. Um, you know, how they interact in meetings, uh, how they support each other, how they, you can find a lot about a group how, with how they chirp each other, how they <laughs> like to, you know, break each other's stones a little bit and, and they can laugh at, at it, right? Um, so it was a tr truly a care factor um, all the way through. And again, it's very impressive when you, you know, these guys aren't young kids, um, they're adults now and they're talking about how much they loved spending time you know it was it was, it was comical because some days when you watch them the fun they were having it was almost like you were walking into a, a preschool and watching a bunch of kids have some fun um and then when it was time to work uh they they did work and and again that's a credit to themselves because the challenge this year was um going off the last two previous seasons it was those last two previous years be between the shutdown and the 100 day kind of exhibition schedule that we played last year. I mean, that, those weren't, so this was all in from the beginning of September and training camp till, you know, obviously just now that's, that's a long year. Uh, and I say it all the time. If, if I would have figured this out a long time ago, I love coaching. I would have coached football. The season is a lot shorter and you get uh, a longer off season. Um, but that's not the case with hockey. Um, it's a full, full on grind for the amount of time that these guys dig in and, and, and have to battle and, you know, 76 games and games got rescheduled and, you know, playing five and six. Um, and again, they didn't complain throughout the course of this year. I'm cracking up because Ali's like, what, you know, what's something positive about this season? And you're like, let me tell you about the worst travel story of all time. <laughs> and let's, let's take a deep dive into that. No, you know, you know, what's amazing about that Charlotte airport is that you can have a connecting <laughs> flight that's on time, but because that thing is so freaking massive that you have to sprint across the way all the way to a different terminal and you will still miss the flight. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing that it wasn't all of your guys doing that, but it's happened to, uh, to other people. You could say that. 
It's happened to well, Logan somebody. like 10 times. I have uncanny travel struggles. We didn't even get the luxury of making it to the airport. We, <laughs> they, they let us know right off the hop, listen, we have no options for you. Your flights are canceled. We have zero options. for Because now you're trying to book flights for a group of 30. Yeah. Right? And uh, last minute's notice, um, that was – and we tried everywhere. We, you know, There's obviously a, a lot of different airports in the Northeast. There's, you know, the option was to jump on a bus and go to Atlanta and catch a flight. I, I mean, we just tried every possible thing we could think of and came up with donut holes. It was crazy. Zach, Zach Fish, yeah. voice of the Hershey Bears, didn't loan you his private plane? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused. You didn't say, do you know who I am? And I'm that, Zach Fish. At the counter there? I think he'd already loaned that out to somebody yes, else. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Busy yeah. territory. What do you guys think I make? If, uh, <laughs> you, added, you added about five or six zeros to it, I think. There you go. Uh, we're just I mean, no, that, legitimately though, there were players asking, like, why don't we why don't could the caps lend us their charter plane? I mean, everything was, was looked into talking to BK. That was a wild time, but luckily we had a nice hotel and a mall across from it and you know, we made the best of it. But yeah, it was a great group, as Scotty said. And and Scott, I, you're saying you won your three thousandth game on the heels of that? We absolutely did. And I will, I will share this. Um, there was one player who thought we, we should take a boat. He thought we should take a boat up the coast. Um, being that Charlotte is so close to the ocean, by the way. So close. Uh, it's right there. Um, also, Hershey, for that matter, so close to the ocean. Yes. Yeah, so we, we didn't have uh, the smartest group out there, but they were fun-loving. <laughs> Well, That's I, something the show can relate to in a very in a very major way. Did you notice he also said something positive? He said he said I had a bunch of preschoolers. Yes, you know. I mean, I think Absolutely. life's more fun that way. Preschool is the best. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. Less uh, stress. Thinking about this group too, some of the special players that we saw. You got to coach so many of them between all the call ups, the ECHL call ups, all of that. Like. Who stands out? Who do you think is going to – I know you, you have faith in all of your players, but who could we really see making an impact? I know a lot of Caps fans pay a lot of attention to what happens down here in Hershey or up here in Hershey. Um, do you think that there's guys on this roster who we could see two, three, four years down the line as, as a capital star? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, to, to say a star, that's a – that's a challenge, right? Because I, I, I tell players all the time, it's, it's about getting to the NHL first and proving that you can play and then hopefully being a good player. And then hopefully you can someday become a great player in that league. Like it doesn't just, you don't just go from the American <laughs> League and become a great player in the NHL. That's very challenging to do. It's very tough to do. Um, you know, not many guys have done that. But, you know, we had two guys that, that went up and, and stuck for the rest of the year and, and Joe Snively and Axel Janssen Fialbi. Um, two other forwards uh, between Brett Leeson and Alexei Protoss, they, they played extensively up there. And each guy played over 30 games uh, this past season. So guys like that, for sure, uh, uh, put themselves on the radar. Um, and some one of the things I talked to guys about in their exit meeting is – when they go to training camp, their mentality has to be, I'm not giving them a reason to send me down. I'm not. I'm giving them a reason to keep me in the NHL. I'm going to make it impossible for them to send me to the American League because I'm going to show from day one of training camp that I put the work in in the summertime. I came back stronger. I'm more fit. Uh, my mindset is such that I, my willingness is going to show every time I step on the ice. And then, so through practices, I'm going to impress. And then when I get to the preseason, I'm going to do a job that, again, it's going to be extremely 
extremely noticeable, regardless of what I am and who I am, right? Like not everybody's going to go up there and score. If I'm a shutdown guy, if I'm a checking role forward, um, you know, I, I'm going to fill that role to the best of my abilities and, and my, the best of my abilities is give me, give me that opportunity to say, you know, you, you can't get rid of me. I'm staying, I'm, I'm knocking the door down. And then it's about, like I said, you know, proving that you can play. I mean, one of the best stories through the years is Marty St. Louis, um, how challenging it was for him to get his foot in the door in the national hockey league. He came out of the university of Vermont and didn't even have an NHL contract. He put up tremendous numbers at UVM, Hobie Bake of finalists, all that's, and nobody signed him. So he was playing in the old international league in Cleveland half through, halfway through the year after the all-star game, a Calgary Flames signed him. So he played in the American league. He was up and down a handful of games with Calgary. Couldn't stick his contract expired. Nobody else gave him an opportunity. Uh, the Tampa Bay lightning were awful back then. Uh, they were, you know, a team that wasn't paying much. He had got an entry level deal and, um, he essentially proved that he could play in the league by playing on their fourth line. And what happened was they made a coaching change and he was still on the fourth line. And then he finally knocked on the door to John Tortorella and he, and he said, you know, I think I can do more, you know, if I get a chance to, so, you know, he moved his way up the lineup, played with better players. And as they say, the rest is, is history. I mean, he's a hall of famer um, with what he did, but it was first about proving that he could play in the league and then, you know, once he got that opportunity, he took it and he ran with it. So that that's the challenge. I mean, everybody wants instant gratification. Everybody wants to go from, you know, the American League to the Hall of Fame, right? It just it, it doesn't happen. It is a process. Everybody's process is different. It is, it's not a cookie cutter method where you can say, this is how it works for players. This is how you develop players. I mean, it's no different than people. I mean, I mentioned preschool before. If I went to a, any preschool in town, I say, okay, you tell me at what age this guy's going to be doing, you know, calculus and what, you know, when this guy's going to be reading war and peace and when this girl is going to be able to, you know, what, just so many different things. Right. And it just, that's development, it's development from children into young adults. And same thing with hockey players. They are, I'll develop it at a different rate. So I think there's a, a, a decent nucleus of guys who have a, a, a decent chance. And those are some of the guys right there for sure. And, and obviously our goaltending. I mean, I love, I love that goaltending. I love Phoenix Copley. I love Zach Fukali, uh, Hunter Shepard, uh, who played for games, some, some games for us. Um, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I want to see guys succeed. Um, I, I, it's a huge thrill as a coach to, to see guys make it to the National Hockey League and then stick in the National Hockey League and run across them years later. And it's usually so thankful and grateful uh, for the time that they spent. And, you know, it's the funny thing is some guys, when they're going through the process, they don't really enjoy it because some of them think they should already be in the NHL. But when it, when, they finally do make it and get there and they understand the hows and the whys and the reasons we did certain things and how we, you know, tried to prepare them as not only players, but people to get, just to give them the best chance to be the best they can be. And hopefully that will be good enough to play in that national hockey league. 
I would pay any amount of money to see you go to a random preschool and start calling out preschoolers, <laughs> letting, letting them, letting them, letting them know, and putting no putting the pressure on them <laughs> to really make it in life. I actually think that that would be a great story for the Bears to do and then throw on their personal Twitter page. I think that could do really well. <laughs> it would be interesting to see, well, like a, a college, right? Run a run a some type of yeah. test yeah. like that through the years and see how it all plays out. Uh, Maybe somebody's already done it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just no, throwing it out it would, there. It would be like the old uh, SNL Peyton Manning skit where he's out there playing with the kids. That was and throwing the best. It would, be, it would be the same thing yeah. with you. I think we could really Running the ball at the kid. Yes, kid misses exactly. the ball. And <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the best skits of all time, by the way. There you that was go. beauty. What, what would yeah. someone have said about you at preschool? There you go. Myself? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, were you I, a wild child? Go, you were a wild child. I didn't go to preschool. Uh, Skipped preschool. I don't even know if they had preschool. Played hooky, back played hooky from preschool. <laughs> Is that even possible? Too cool. Too cool. No, I was. Uh, my, my grandmother babysat me uh, when I was that uh, age, and fortunately, the neighborhood we were in there was a ton of kids. So, I know back then, uh, as far as my memory goes, I have a tough enough time remembering yesterday. Never mind when I was a kid. Um, I, I was outside all the time and, uh, you know, that's when kids used to go outside and play and, uh, you know, it was, it was enjoyable as far as what they would say about me. I don't know. Uh, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I have a funny feeling that you, uh, do remember yesterday. Um, because we know that you're a Boston guy. Um, oh. yeah, no, 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 this is, this is a, gr- this is a grieving period. This is a grieving period. Jeez. We're all, we're all in a, we're all in unison here. Um, Come on, Marcus Smart. I, you He's know what? <laughs> Maybe I, this might not align with most of the listeners' uh, beliefs, but it's important to touch on. Uh, in terms of losses and devastation, is there one that fanhood ever surpasses coaching? Because that feels like it was in the same realm. Um, Which ones wait. do you take harder? As like losing? Yeah, yeah losing wise, like teams that you coach or yeah. teams that you cheer for. Um, for sure, it's teams that I coach. <laughs> Smart answer. Um, because <laughs> well, so one thing I will say, you just asked about like when I was a kid, one thing that has stayed consistent in me uh, from then until now is I'm a sore loser. Uh, I've always been a sore loser. Um, I do love to win, but I hate to lose, I think, more than I love to win. So, um, but for sure, you know, I've had some tough ones uh, as a fan too, uh, especially being an Indianapolis Colts fan. Well, Baltimore Colts, then Indianapolis Colts, and the Patriots went on a little bit of a run through the years. Uh, And those were some tough losses because most of my friends back home, uh, uh, Pats fans, Um, different moments, the 86 World Series, you know. Uh, And and the crazy thing is, though, like everybody – um, I feel bad for Bill Buckner and, and uh, he, you know, talk about how crazy fans can be. This guy actually got death threats. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Like, like, and it's so pitiful because Bill Buckner had an unreal career and everybody remembers the ball going through his legs. And, you know, they don't remember, like there was some pitching decisions made in that game that were tough to swallow. Um, so just situations like that. I mean, when I was, real young in the seventies some tough Red Sox losses to the Yankees, uh, Bucky Dent, um, you know, these things still have a tendency to bother me a little bit, but <laughs> I would say the, the, the games that I've coached, uh, for sure. Um, 
because that's I mean that's that's my livelihood. Uh, and again, for me, it's 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 not about me in those situations at all. It's it's more about um, the the players, the guys who go into battle and try to get it done. Um, that 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 bothers me. Yeah, this is a nice theme. Allie's bringing up positivity, and I'm and I'm like, let me take you through the worst times of your life. <laughs> let me depress you a little <laughs> let's bit. Go, let's here. go back into that. Uh, not that you want the off season to begin at this time of the year, but it is the off season for you. I heard a little rumor you're going to get out on the Harley Davidson motorcycle oh. this off season. What's it? What's in the books for you? You're going to get away for a little bit. Kind of. What do you do in the off season? What does that look like for you? Well, the 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 off season has not begun yet because um we're waiting to see i mean hopefully the caps can come back mm. and win these last two games so uh there is a small group of players um who are staying who are skating uh right now in hershey we skated this morning we'll skate tomorrow we'll, we'll continue the skates for a few more hopefully at least and if if they win the series in seven um then for sure myself um, and part of my staff and, and some of these plays will be heading to Washington mm. uh, to become what they call like a black ace group uh, that skates separately from the caps, but have to stay ready because if you get a, a couple of injuries, they need guys. So that's, that's still in the works. Um, once we get through that, then I'll, I'll reevaluate. Um, I have fortunately already been out on my motorcycle. Um, and, and usually I, I do ride year round, but it's crazy because I only live a mile away from the giant center. So it's not even uh, worth it to, I mean, the bike doesn't even get warmed up by the time I get to the giant center. So, um, but, uh, I, I need it for peace of mind. Uh, I, my motorcycle is my therapy and it gives me the opportunity to clear my mind. Not that I daydream about the out when I'm out on my bike It's actually just the opposite. Um, you know, you have to, you have to be dialed in, you have to be focused because not everybody sees motorcycles and not aware. And especially in this day and age, you're always facing people that might be texting while they're driving and, and stuff like that. But, uh, it forces me to just think about that as opposed to, even my one mile commute, when I'm in my truck, I can't shut my mind off from thinking about hockey, you know? So that's what the motorcycle is able to do for me. Speaking of peace of mind, uh, very important question here with oh, no. being from mass and obviously the you know greater Northeast area and having a bike, uh, a significant amount of biker weeks in the summer. Uh, I'm curious if you're ever the guy that's drinking Bud Light in jorts um, on the side during some of those biker weeks, or have you not tapped into that realm yet? The, the answer would be a strong no. <laughs> not yet. That, not is, yet. that is not me. Do you own uh, jorts? Jean uh, shorts? I, I do not. I did own those back in the day. Like there those we were go. big in the 70s. Here's the, the truth. 80s, in the early 80s. Yeah. You know, uh, you They're know, the coming Larry, back. The Larry Bird shots. It, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I actually chuckle because, <laughs> you know, it went the, the Larry Bird era with the shots, right? And then they became down to the knees, which uh, is m my preference. Like I was wearing those back when I was in junior high. There used to be a show on a uh, sitcom on TV called The White Shadow. And it was about a basketball team. Uh, and, and a couple of guys had the long shots back in, you know, this was late 70s, early 80s. And I adopted that style back then and stuck with it all the way through. Like 
I'm not a, uh, and, and the players would probably be the first one to tell you this. I'm not a big fashion guy, right? But I do get a kick out of, and I understand, I understand fashion, but I, I crack up when I see guys, you know, I get guys on my team that are 6'3", 200 pounds that are wearing pants that would fit me. Um, you know, it's it's the most bizarre thing ever. The high waters, how tight they wear them. And I sit back and I go, people who work in the fashion world, and I know why they do it, because they have to sell new clothes. They just sit in these rooms and they go, what if we try this? And and people buy it. And I, I'm like, this is crazy. Um, everything comes back in style. So the jean shots that I had back in the day, they're probably somewhere packed away in a box. And maybe they will make their way back out. Who knows? Scott yeah. Allen, fashion expert. That's your career well, after yes. hockey Thank coach. you. Thank you for our Fashion high... observer. Not yes, expert. there you go. Thank you for answering our high journalistic questions, of course. <laughs> I think uh, I think Zoom's going to kick us out here. Coach, we appreciate all the time. It was so fun to follow your first year with the Hershey Bears as head coach. We're excited for what the offseason eventually may bring for you and, and hopefully year two you find uh, a little bit more success there in the playoffs because I know you want a Calder Cup just as bad as those fans but uh, thank you so much for the time and I, I guess enjoy the next couple of weeks up there with the Caps hopefully a long run headed there but thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me my pleasure thank you so much to coach Allen Logan, you got to stop putting people on the spot. Asking about his fashion choices. Yeah. His his heartbreak over the Boston Celtics. I asked him about uh, personal matters. You see him yell at Marcus Smart just there? Yeah. Maybe, maybe and that's what brings out the best in people. Fire him up. We were only talking so much about the devastation of, you know, the end of the season. Why not devastation on other fronts? And also the, po the possible joy of being in jorts and drinking Bud Light. Some of those people are the happiest people I've seen in my life. I just wanted to know if he was one of them. I would like to know if you're going to end up being one of them. This is like a 40% chance. <laughs> Damon Turbot, I'm pretty used to work in this department. I'm pretty <laughs> sure is one of those people right now. He's from New Hampshire. He is. He is living his best life. Yeah. You know, um, speaking of which, something we didn't talk to with Coach Allen today, but we did in exit interviews that, that day that everyone cleaned out their lockers was just the impact of injuries and how there were guys who had season-ending injuries. And he even said guys who had career-ending injuries. And you kind of wonder – is that Matt Molson? He had the back surgery. He's approaching 40. Um, he kind of always said every time he signed a new contract with the Bears, and this was his third one-year contract, he said, like, as long as my body feels good, I'll keep doing it. You got to wonder if if he's starting to get to the point where it's, the toll is just too much. Yeah. Um, we got a chance to ask him. We talked to him the other day, and he said, I'm not saying 0% chance I play hockey again, but – uh, he didn't say he's playing again. So uh, I think you also wonder this offseason. My hope, one, is that he just feels like he's in a good place and can live his life comfortably, yeah. let alone hockey. Mm -hmm. um, and he's made already a pretty remarkable recovery at, a, at his age with the injury, with the surgery. Um, but gosh, I want to see him play hockey one more time. It is. And I think when there's a lot of things stacked against you, kind of like that with the age and, and also backs are like. They're finicky. That's the one thing to almost not mess with in a way. Like knee stuff, it's like kind of overcome and it's, you know, debilitating. Back is like when you have one of those and it, it doesn't come back the same way, that kind of takes out everything when it comes to, you know, where you're trying to be in your career. So you evaluate a lot of different things. Um, I think a lot of guys in the moment, once they kind of are trying to get from the initial, I guess, shock of the injury, they, you know, will see it through different lenses when they're fully recovered just don't know that timeline of when the full yeah. recovery and being back to yourself would be. Um, but just based on the way that he talks about it, you have to think that maybe on that front. And also, 
when you're bringing up career-ending injuries, there's only so many guys that that could be referencing. So yeah, I think it trending think, that way. And I think maybe you know, <laughs> someone asked him what he coached. He said no. Um, but I think like he loves being around the team, around the organization. He's mm. been around so many of them that it was nice to see him, if nothing else, with the guys the last couple weeks. Right being around them, trying, he said, he was like, I don't want to try and tell him too much because I'm not in the battle with them, but, like, he just loves being there. He went to all the playoff games, um, traveled up to Wilkes-Barre. So I, I think just being able to see him get back to some sense of normalcy was nice. He's meant a lot in the time that he's been here, obviously a captain, and um, it's it's meant so much. And I know he was chasing a cup, and that was really his whole reason for coming, mm -hmm. you know, from a 10-year NHL career down to the AHL and continuing to play at his age. So, um, I think whenever the Hershey Bears win their next Calder Cup, hopefully it's next year, but if it's 20 years from now, Matt Molson deserves a ring because mm. if it wasn't for COVID, they would have been in the playoffs the last yeah. two years. And it, they would have made a deep run. The best team in the league. 100% agree. I've already crowned them the 2028 <laughs> yeah, Calder Cup champions. Yeah. So um, anyways, my, my hope for Matt mostly is that he gets to spend a long, healthy life with his family. But gosh, I would love to see him on skates one more time just to, mm -hmm. to send him off the right way. But uh, again, thank you so much to Scott Allen. We, we've loved getting to know him in his first year kind of as uh, head of the program and um, really enjoy just how open he is. I think we Very need more open. more coaches like Scott Allen, and I will. That will be my soapbox from here on out. <laughs> That's what we're gonna start uh, searching for. Searching for. That's for. when Logan and I hire other coaches. Yes, when we, when <laughs> well, we try our, to bring them in. That's our give top the, criteria. Give them the sit down talk. Uh, all right. So speaking of things that need um, kind of a positive spin. Hmm. The NFL continues to, I don't know why I'm saying that. Yeah, I was doing pretty well. The NFL continues to dominate headlines, whether or not they're playing. They give they all the other doing. sports like yeah. two days, and then they're like, you know what? Not even. Mic drop. Here we go. Baseball free agency is pretty irrelevant because of the NFL, honestly. A lot of things are irrelevant because of the NFL, including yeah. like uh, anything else on Sundays. This is true. You know what I heard? Speaking of which, today, Thursday, May 12th. Yes, it's the 12th. NFL schedules are released tonight. Mm -hmm. Big day. We're excited about it. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of things that now we can really dig in and decide whether or not these matchups are going to be interesting. It also dictates a lot of people's uh, like vacation travel schedule. I was just about to say this. Way. So I heard this the other day and I didn't even realize. Christmas is on a Sunday. Yeah. What is Christmas in most sports fans' minds? NBA day games, right? Oh, yeah. The NFL's like, sorry, no. Well, no, they've taken that over, too, because they they put game. I want to say last year they had a couple games on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And at, like, at night. But do you see what I'm saying? Isn't that How just dare you bring up your, your, fan, your fan base and your fanhood for a Pennsylvania podcast? How dare you? How dare I? How dare it's you? me. <laughs> we started talking about the NFL, and I, I materialized oh, in the yeah. room. Producer Steve just uh, appeared hey. miraculously. Um, no, but I just I laugh about that because the NFL dominates everything. Mm -hmm. Anytime you think it's going to be about another sport, the NFL is like, oh, sorry, NBA, NHL playoffs. Mm -mm. It'll always reign supreme. Yeah. Schedule release. Mm -hmm. But we're excited about it. It is. A lot of people are. I think that it's... Um, it's really any reason to get up for anything. I think that the NFL could have just been like, hey, we're now selling like pacifiers in your team's color. And everybody would be like, yes, absolutely. I'll take 55. Like, Time just to like, have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> that's, then, that's then the inspiration to start family. I look says. just like DK Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he going to end is. up? No, we can't get into it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Steve already bought one of those passive. Yeah, he has yeah. a couple. Um, no, but so today we get to talk about, we don't know all the matchups. Things are leaking out here, there, everywhere. But we do know the Eagles are taking on the AFC South, NFC North this year, mm-hmm. as well as we believe the Cardinals and Steelers. Yes. We feel good about that. We don't know when. We don't know, you know, we know sort of home and away. But I think we got to talk about their their perspective schedule, but also where they may end up as a result of that division schedule. And Logan has a relatively hot, is it a hot take about? I don't know if there's such thing as a hot take anymore. I was watching a TikTok the other day that was like, there are no more hot takes. We, we've, we've, takes. we've done them all. Everybody can shut up now. <laughs> Every, there's no such thing as any more hot takes. Um well, the people that listen to this podcast, they definitely, you know, would probably be in agreement. Definitely Shiner would be. Um, we but kicked just, him out of the room for this. Yeah, probably. He'd get too excited. Uh, he did do an E-A-G-L-E-S uh, chant one time when we, were on, when we were on here. It was so um, loud. I can't it was, do it again. It was obnoxious. And we don't do obnoxious stuff on the show, do we? Ever. Not at Very all. Very serious podcast. Um, the Eagles, I would say, are the division favorite is the uh, take that we're, we're on right now. I, like I, don't, it. I, don't, I really don't think that there's, I mean, Dallas has lost guys. Yeah. Washington added Carson Wentz. <laughs> and the Giants still have no idea what they're doing. And Jahan Dotson. Yeah, but, you know, down the, just in the immediate yeah. here and now, like sure, the, you yeah, know, yeah. impact guys. Um, How dare you? On, on which front? There's a statue. Oh, no, there's not. It's a Nick Foles statue, isn't it? No, it's a Carson yeah. Wentz statue. No, no. it's Nick Foles. <laughs> the fact that you I thought that they were going to put up a Carson Wentz why statue not? for the same why? Well, why not? Because of every reason he's ever played within the last three years. Yeah, he played on two broken ankles. Okay, put some respect. Well, on he, he's acting like he's playing on two broken ankles right now. I wanted to fight you on this until because I, I really firmly believe in, in Michael Parsons and the Cowboys, and then I realized that Michael Parsons is the only player left on the Cowboys. A little bit. Um, I also think that a lot of where Dallas breaks down is offensively. Like it's not to say like. Defense-wise, they should be fine and probably maybe even better because if he takes a big step. But um, that's also – did Micah Parsons decide to slide in, like, in not in coaching and taking timeouts in the final minute of a you know, NFC wildcard game? No. That's the higher-ups. It's the brain trust and also the quarterback. So situational. Like, that will always be the Cowboys' experience. The Eagles haven't really got to that place to prove what they are and, you know – obviously a blowout loss to the Bucks in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't really get a full sample size of who they'll be, but with the way that those two are trending, wouldn't you think that it would be the Eagles as relatively the favorite? I think the only thing they've only gotten better. That's mainly why. No, no, no. The pieces they've added are cle- clearly better than than most other teams in their division. This but is also the same team that once had a uh, super team and then proceeded to come. They were they in last that year when they added uh Namdi Asamoah and like all those guys and that super, I don't want to say 2012 what? era didn't, and they were sp- Super Bowl favorites and they ended up like third or fourth yeah, terrible I, team. I want to say, yeah, but I do, I, I do think you're right. They're trending in the right direction. The only thing that I'm always cautious about is giving Philly expectations. I true. think this, this team, true. this fan base loves when people just think they're going to do absolutely nothing Look at this year. Yeah. We, I mean, we sat, I, I will say me, I sat here and just completely obliterated Nick Sirianni after his introductory press conference. I mean, I did too. And, and then he, you know, 
has a great season goes to the playoffs. It wasn't training that way for a while though. It wasn't, but when they when it mattered, when yeah. they switched to actually running, when the they football, played easy teams, yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? Like no one expected them to do anything, so it was a yeah. pleasant surprise what no, happened right. this season. Sure. Now people are giving Howie Roseman an A plus on the NFL draft, which I would agree with. I'm hesitant. To, whenever people give A plus drafts to anybody, I'm ready to knock it down. But do you see what I'm saying? Now it's like because nobody knows. People just put the Eagles right back up on a pedestal, and yeah. it's like they don't do well when they're on a pedestal. This is true. You're not wrong. I'm just you're just bringing people back down to earth. Yeah. Um. I also think that this might be a division where it's not necessarily well. It, the same the same reason as the the take of like you're a sum of all the parts around you. Mm. Like, does Dallas take a step back record wise? I can't remember for the life of me what their record was last year, but I want to say the Eagles finished a game or two behind them. So does the NFC East winner have to only win 10 games to win the division? Do they have to win 11? Do they have to be 10 and 8, 11 and 7? That could dictate a lot because it's it's honestly less about how much of a jump the Eagles can make as opposed to can they just be better than everybody else around them, which as we know, they can clean up on the Washingtons, the Giants of the Worlds, and if they can take one against Dallas, why would that not be a reason to win the division? Because even though they play the AFC North, who has the defending AFC champion, there are some still pretty, I wouldn't say bad, rebuilding teams in the NFC North as well, who they play. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance to clean up on some of the teams that they are scheduled on paper right now. There's usually teams that come out of the woodwork, but seem things seem relatively, relatively favorable for them right now. I, I mean, I think sitting here... <laughs> final, final dying words. Sitting here on May 12th, Having optimism about the Eagles fresh off yeah. the NFL draft feels is, pretty dumb, actually. No, <laughs> I'm slamming your whole thing. No, I know that I think about no, it. No, but but I mean, I think that's promising. <laughs> like, I think there is promise there. I think we feel this way sometimes about like the Ravens. Then you see the season they had with all the injuries, and all of a sudden, all this promise yeah. is nothing. So, really, the name of the game is staying healthy and staying it healthy is. for the for a long 17 game regular season. We got a long way to go. I mean, they're just getting into OTAs now. So, I think I like what they've added. I've I am more impressed with them this offseason than I have been in, in my time following. I just love A.J. Brown. so <laughs> That's, that's really what all, all of it is. Living and dying. Like I like Jordan Davis a lot, too. And, I mean, getting to Kobe Dean there felt Seriously. like a steal. But I'm not going to try to act like I know how these guys are going to be because I have no idea. I have no clue. No one does. But I like it on paper. I like the A.J. Brown one because at least here's a, an established guy we know is good. I'm seeing stars in your eyes right now. You are excited about the Philadelphia Eagles. I was not excited about them. No, I wouldn't say excited about them when they were. <laughs> what were they when they? When I had that take, I wasn't excited in, about them. I was. It was something. more about. Well, this is what's different than that time is that this is more of a pro them take as opposed to an anti everyone else take, which is a lot of the time usually the takes that I like to have because mm. that's why I call everybody a fraud is because that I think that it's not necessarily about who wins the game; it's about who loses it. And I think the Eagles could maybe go out and win some games this year, like by their own doing, which is kind of a foreign concept. I feel like you're already, you like talked yourself in and out all the time. A little bit, time. but it's because you raise it. a valid point. It's May and I'm making NFL takes for the fall. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Well, Steve likes to do that in general because, you know. I he's love a doing fan. that. I love doing that. Um, I you should get it. You should be one of those people that gets a tattoo of the next year's <sighs> Super Bowl and do it, do it right now. Giants. I also love because... <laughs> Yeah, but not even your Steve, team. Not even the Broncos. <laughs> Two for the Giants. My Broncos will win one by the time you die. Um, you know, in the next three years. 
in the next three years. Yeah. Okay. Three years. Well, is, I don't think you can get a tattoo of that. I don't think you can get unless what Roman numeral wise, are we on the uh, are we in the place where you can have room oh, to add? Uh, uh, we're not even going to do Roman numerals because the last time we tried <laughs> to do, do that numbers? on the show, it was all wrong. Oh, That's we true. Did, we did really mess up Roman numerals. That was horrible. Well, it wasn't we. It was you. <laughs> Logan, we tried to add ourselves in to make you feel like you're less well, alone in that. Uh, well, that's more like, does that fall into the category of math? Yes. Yeah, so I, math is always something we stay away from Roman because I, there, was no, there was no math at my college in general. So that's always something we should stay away from. And also, like, let's think about it. We could create more Roman numerals. You know, it's all up to our discretion here. So Are the Romans still around? Oh, it's probably because they messed up their math. And I'm the one that, you know, they start should have came and talked to me. They they'd, still, they'd still be around. They probably are still around, honestly. They turned into to the, the Sopranos, basically. Yeah. Oh. Those are the same people. I bet you they they'd are. be good at Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. It feels like something they would excel at. Absolutely. Welcome to Super Bowl. No! <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I can just see Steve's back with, like, a Super Bowl logo and, like, 50 crossed out. 51 So what would out. you get then? You wouldn't get the... You wouldn't get the Roman numerals. You'd get the number. Oh no! I was just saying I'd do the Roman numerals. I, I was just saying for the sake of the listener, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to put out more disinformation than we already. My have. thing is why even if the even if those fans get it right and the t- their team wins the Super Bowl or whatever championship that year, what bragging right is that? Doesn't that also like isn't does somebody be like, oh, that's so cool, you're awesome, or are they just like, you're still kind of an idiot? Well, there are, the only people that do that are idiots. Like, do you think that anybody's ever been like, guys been at the bar and been like, yeah, I got this before they won the Super Bowl? And she's like, wow. Guys that get we that tattoo, get, they, we should probably be in a long term relationship together. Yeah, they they're the guys that go to the bar and then like you have no, you don't know them, but then they like come up to you and they're like, hey buddy, check this out, and they you know pull their shirt up and you see a this horrific tattoo that says Panthers somewhere on their belly button, and it's yeah. like, oh my. God. Or, yes. it's, or it's the guys who are like, we, we had chemistry together in high school. Like, didn't you? Spanish, third Steve period. knows a lot of those guys, I think, actually. In this area, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> small town, small town. Whenever he shows up to the bowling alley, it's just, Lagor. Oh, yeah. You got a good last name for creepy men at a bowling alley bar. I've, oh, yeah, it's a great take. I've always, I've, always, <laughs> yeah. I've always said that to you. Great last name for creepy men at a bar. It's so always something about Steve that's really stood out. We really we learn a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan a- aspires to be a Bud Light drinking, um, uh, more of shorts a shorts wearing. Mm, not aspires more. Uh, it's like going to a museum. You can appreciate from afar and the glass in between. All right. Yeah. You know what else we can appreciate from afar? Mm. Three hundred and seventy-five million. Oh, you want to talk Tom? Brady? Oh, talk Tom Brady. Shocking! The, sh- the Tom the sh- Brady fan wants to talk Tom Brady. What? He just changed yeah. the game for broadcasters. I, you know, I because part of me was thinking about this though. I don't know if he changed the game because, like, think about if somewhere to to like even like Juan Soto's contract coming up. Mm-hmm. Like that's different because it'll change the because what he's going to get like nearly All half a it. billion dollars All or something like that. He's going to shatter records like. That sets precedent because it's like, here's this young player you want to keep forever. That's why the learners I, are selling the team. He's going to be making more than double what Aikman just made and what ESPN did to steer him away from Fox in the first place. People aren't going to surpass now $37 million a year. Point That's five. not going to happen. Point this five. is its own separate like category. Like if, they, if for some reason the, say Josh Allen's deal deal comes up again are the bills going to be like hey we're gonna give you more than twice what you know patrick mahomes is making i don't i don't, actually don't think that's physically possible but it feels like it's in its own separate way 
I also just don't know why it makes se- besides money, besides money, mm. which is a lot of it. But besides money, I I don't know why it makes sense on his career front. Like, is th- this is the same guy obviously who lives and dies by every single Sunday and wants to keep playing and you know, I think wanted to spend time with his family or so we thought before he returned from retirement after one month, this now does not go with any of his line of thinking or what he's been saying um, within the last two to three years about the conversation of retirement or staying in football. Do you remember his dad at one point was like, I have no idea what Tom's going to do when he retires. I think this is a man who has to stay on the NFL calendar or he might just implode. Yeah, And so I think for him, it keeps him on the NFL calendar. You're working, like we said this, a couple days a week for 23 oh, weeks of great, the year. Oh, it's a great gig. So it's it's a good a good gig for him. It's ungodly money. I laugh when people, uh, this is kind of, it was tongue in cheek, when they're like, it changes the game for broadcasters. It's like, oh, really? Does. Play 23 years in the NFL, become the greatest at your position, and let alone the position that the even NFL is based that. off There's of. not another name. That's not like another name or even anybody. Like, you're not going to give anybody that money. You can't do you're it. You're not like, what is, who would be somebody else right now that you would even think about putting in a broadcast booth? That would be maybe a former NFL quarterback. I mean, Peyton Manning was in that, but he has this Manning cast and whatnot. But they're, they're, I mean, who knows what? I don't know what he's making technically with the Manning cast. But if they were to his original offer, and he's, I guarantee, wasn't near the realm of what well, Fox well, offered. Well, it was Sean McVay at Amazon who was offered twenty million a year, right? So which the fact more that than Aikman? Brady is double almost that. Yeah. And then again, they're saying now like that's not the full scope of the deal. Like it's not fully reported or blah. blah so who knows what he's actually mm-hmm. making? But it is an interesting concept. I think the other thing is, is who's in the booth the reason you watch the game and that's the question i wonder that that fox sports is gonna have to think about it's not the reason you watch the game it does make it it more enjoyable it definitely adds to the experience i feel like in a lot of ways i guess it's more so with the play-by-play guys sometimes like that's something i gravitate towards just because especially when you're watching your team there's certain moments that you remember based off like the call call. or whatnot and kind of sets the scene and gives it the whole aesthetic of things i think for the you know the color guy it's a little it's a little different. Um, I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily say that it changes a whole lot of things for who's tuning in. You know, you're gonna you're gonna tune into the NFL regardless. If you're an NFL fan, are you gonna stick around? Probably because you're watching the game. But that's what I mean. You're gonna mute the TV. It, well, because if the game's still terrible, uh, like you know, it's a. a he's also gonna be their number out. one, so he's usually not gonna get bad games. Probably that is true. This that's is true. like, you know, yeah. I, that's going to be a point. He's not going to go travel to Jacksonville for when like Arizona decides to head up there in like week five. That's like going to be his, his thing. You, you don't think that's going to be a good game? Somebody put out a, a, a really good point that they should put him with Gus Johnson. They're putting him with Kevin Burkhart. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I've heard a lot of actually. Maybe he if I listen of, back. He does a lot of college. Yeah. So you probably heard him on a college. Yeah. So it feels like it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to use that amount of star power, it feels like you should get somebody oh, equal on, on, and maybe they will because given they probably have a couple of years to work with this, equal or on par with Brady just reputation-wise. I just think I'm, I'm fascinated because I don't think every great player turns into a great broadcaster. Not at all. You saw it with Jason Witten and that just fell terrible. so flat. And yeah. I, think, I, I don't think Breeze is very good. But so I, I think that there's, there's a short list of players that have turned into really successful broadcasters. I think Tom Brady is worth a flyer. You should mm. absolutely try him out if he's willing to do it. But mm. a $375 million flyer is just well, also, I, I don't think Fox had any other options, as weird as that sounds, with losing those two. Like, you had to bring in not Huge. just a big fish, quite literally the biggest fish that would be humanly possible. 
and I guess pay him any sort of amount. It makes me wonder why they didn't. It feels like this was a plan B, or maybe if it was their plan A in the first case, this is why they let Buck and Aikman walk in the first place? Yeah, I'm, I'm, Maybe? I'm, these have got to be in the works for so long. Or was it something that was in the works as soon as those two guys left? And that this, this was their plan B? Who knows? Sports business show. Because I think Greg Olson's pretty good, and that's a Fox guy, and I thought somebody that would swoop in and be pretty decent at it, um, but maybe, I guess, doesn't have the same juice... Uh, on a game to game basis, because like, if you're going to try to save money and not pay yeah. Buck and Aikman, wouldn't you just stick on that camp as opposed to now paying more for the unknown commodity and Tom Brady? I guess a casual fan doesn't know Greg Olson the way that that anyone in the world knows, which Tom is why Brady. It, in a lot of ways, you don't want the superstar superstar player to go to the booth because sometimes a lot of the guys that are pretty good at it, Greg Olson was a good player. Yeah. Weren't like the star star of the league because like, they can speak at it from a different way and just wavelength. Well, it's like great players aren't always great coaches. Same, same right. kind of concept, you know? So I, I think uh, I think the plan that I heard initially um, when all of this got reported was that Greg Olson will be a placeholder for Tom Brady until yeah. Tom Brady decides yeah. to retire. So who knows? I mean, maybe we're having a discussion this about— It could be two or three years out. A lot of things can change in that time. Well, and maybe we're having a discussion like, should they just keep Greg Olson at that point and put Tom Brady in something else? I think they're using him as a league ambassador as, at some level too, like traveling out to events internationally and things like that. So mm. I think the job is, is going to be a lot bigger than what he does on a Sunday. So yeah. I think it'll be, it, regardless, it'll be fascinating to watch him transition to that next phase of life because everyone has already contemplated it after he retired the first time. So uh, I don't know, one, two, three more years, we get to see Tom Brady in the booth. Mm -hmm. The way it's going, maybe seven, 10, 15 years. I thought he was just going to sell expensive uh, peanuts with TB12. Can we I talk? Guess he's gonna Have you ever that. tried to buy his merch? No, Brady? it's way too expensive. It's obnoxiously expensive. Like a pair of pants is like $400. He just has like a hat for like 100 that just says Brady. Like, no, I'm just going to go get, go to Marshall's and get something. Put some stickers on it. Yeah, I don't know. Who buys that?